Well, good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine. I'm the lead pastor and it's so good to be with you guys here today. It is uh, currently the beginning of week two of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And if, um, if it's your first time joining us, we, uh, we think it's so important to give God the first of everything. We believe that all throughout Scripture we see this principle of the first. We set aside the first part of our finances. I, I think it's important to set aside the first part of our day and worship. And we like to set aside the first part of our year and dedicate ourselves to fasting and prayer to just to as a means of worship, as a means of asking God to speak into this next year of our life and all that He would do and have us do for Him and on His behalf. And so, um, if you've been joining us in this fast, you did it. You're one weekend. First week is always the hardest. If uh, if you've been fasting something like a food item. Um, it does get harder, actually, as time goes on, but just lean into it. You can do this. I believe in you. It, the reason that we fast is because we just think it's so important. Scripture teaches us that it is important to say no to the physical sometimes so that we can say yes to the spiritual. And so we choose things that we're going to fast, whether it's food or, or social media or TV or work or something like that. That this, I'm just teasing about work. You should go to work. Anyways, um, we think it's so important to fast something that will interrupt your day multiple times throughout your day, something that will be missed, something that, that you want or need in order to be reminded all day long to focus more on your spiritual needs as we start this year than your physical needs. And so um, I hope that you're with us in this fast and uh, you've got it through two more weeks to go. God's got so much to speak into your heart and to teach you through this and just let him listen, be available. And, uh, and he, he, every year we do this in, in January and August and every 21 days of prayer, he speaks new truth into my heart. And so I look forward to it all year long. If you're wanting to join us on our prayer side of things, we have a prayer, uh, kind of an opening prayer every day at 6.30 a.m. on our Instagram Live. That's at Gather Asheville, or you can go to our website, live.gatherashville.org, um, either straight through that link or just from our website. And we will put those on. That'll be live at 6.30 a.m., so you can join us live in prayer, or uh, that is online for 24 hours after that. So if, if you have to join us at some other time during the day, you, you can. And so that, and then Saturday we have a prayer service. We just had our first one yesterday. It was powerful. We had about 60 people show up for prayer. And um, we, uh, we just take a moment. I mean, honestly, it's just about praying with the people of God. We just see in Scripture an importance of being unified in prayer. And so that's what we do. Um, we would love for you to join us. That is at Seacoast Asheville's campus, 123 Sweeten Creek Road. And that'll be this upcoming Saturday at 9 a.m. 21 days of prayer and fasting. We love it. It's so important. It's vital to our spiritual lives and the life of this church. Well, today we are in week two of a series called It's Time. It's Time. This series is designed to get us moving. Every year as the new year comes about, we often make different New Year's resolutions. We have these big dreams and ideas about how we want this year to go, but often we just fall into the same patterns, the same habits. It's, it's hard to make big changes and we put it off or we say, well, next year will be a better year for that. This year I've got too much going on and I, I, I'm here to tell you it's time. 
Last week, Robbie gave a message called The Light is Green, and he gave us a little beep beep. You ever, sometimes you're at a red light, you know, and, and the person in front of you, the light turns green, and, and they're, they're just as comfortable as they could be. You know, they're enjoying, there's nice, the trees are looking real pretty in that particular spot. They're, they're, they're feeling comfortable, they're relaxed, they just aren't in any kind of hurry, and I'm back there like, hey, you know, I gotta go somewhere. So I give them a little beep beep, you know what I'm saying? I, it's, I try to do it as polite as I can. You don't wanna beep for too long, or that's a, hey, get your butt moving. That's when you really lay on the horn. Sometimes, if you're like, I'm kind of a, I try to be as nice as I can be. I'm just like a beep, beep, you know, hey, hey, <laughs> we're all here, we're ready to go. Robbie gave us a little bit of a beep, beep last week. Hey, the time is now, let's get moving, let's make some changes, let's let's commit ourselves to this. And uh, this, this week, and then the next two weeks after this one, for the next three weeks, we're going to be kind of honing down on some specific things that I believe it's time for us to choose this year. You know, the average New Year's resolution only lasts until January 4th. That is not a great track record, guys. We could do better than that. I think we can make some changes that last. We're already a week beyond that, and so I think we can make some changes that outlast January 4th this year. It is time and we can do it. I know that the, the, um, the problem is that often when we have a big change that we want to make, whether it's a mindset shift or anything else, the problem is that the, the, the task itself overwhelms us to the point of never really pursuing it. And so we just keep doing the same things. And um, there was, there's a great book by Dr. John Maxwell. If you've never read a John Maxwell book, they're all amazing. There's about 300 of them to choose from. And they will, I'm telling you, every single one of them will change your life. I've had my life changed like 300 times by Dr. John Maxwell. Well, he's got a book where he, he teaches this principle. And he, um, he says, if you've got a yard full of trees that you want to take care of, that you want to take down, and you have an axe, and if you go out in that backyard and you swing that axe five times uh, every day on a different tree, it's going to take forever for those trees to fall. That forest is going to keep on standing for a long time. But if you pick one tree, one tree at a time, and you walk out there and, and with your axe, and you just take five swings on the same tree every day, that tree will come down. And so I, I would just suggest... And really what the message is about today, this is a big one for me, because I just think that it's time for us to set our axe on the tree of joy this year. It's time to choose joy, isn't it? Come on, somebody. Yeah. Listen, I, I know, I, I, let me tell you a story. This, um, 2019 was a really hard year for me. It was bad. It was just a no good, terrible, horrible, very bad year, top to bottom. I, I walked close people in my life through three different kinds of loss. Honestly, the worst three kinds of loss you can imagine. I had to be side by side in those moments. And in August, my daughter was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which is a life-changing diagnosis. And it was just, it was over and over. It was like something was happening. And I sat at lunch with one of my good friends, Pastor Fred Baker at Fellowship Asheville. And we had lunch in November and I just said, Fred, I was telling him about my year. And I just said, Fred, I'll tell you what. I am ready for 2019 to end. Have you ever said that? Have you ever said, I'm just ready for this year to end? I told him, I said, Fred, you want to know something? I'm going to stay up to midnight on December 31st, not to ring in the new year. I want to watch this year die. <laughs> I want to watch it die, Fred. I was ready for the new year to come. I'm, I'm just ready for this year to end. And he leaned across the table and said, John Mark, what exactly do you think is going to happen when it does? 
And that question shook me up a little bit. Because my expectation is that January 1st rolls around and everything's all cakes and oranges. Like, we're just going to have a great year. Everything's going to go well. Not a single bad thing's going to happen. It's going to be good. It was just, that was a 2019 thing, all that tragedy. That's not going to happen anymore. But the reality is that life brings challenges. And that there's struggles. And that 2019 had troubles and that 2020 is going to have troubles of its own. And we shouldn't be surprised by this because Jesus told us about this. He warned us. John 16, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You need to know that he is our peace. It doesn't say in your circumstances you may have peace. In your comfort you may have peace. In your life you may have peace. In your home you may have peace. He says in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. See, we're going to face trouble. It's a guarantee. I don't know what 2019 brought you. I don't know what it took from you. I don't know what your circumstances were. I don't know what 2020 has in store for you. But I do know that in this world, we will face trouble. But he has overcome the world. And because he has overcome the world, we can have joy despite our circumstances. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, he says, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. You see, what I want to tell you this morning is that it's time to choose joy that's not circumstantial, that doesn't rise and fall with the tide. It's time to choose joy that is permanent, that can't be taken from you, that doesn't go anywhere, the kind of joy that only comes from the Lord. He is our strength, and it keeps you up, and it holds you, it holds you in place when everything starts crashing and falling around you. You can still have joy, and it may, maybe you have had a dark cloud over your head all of your life. Maybe you have struggled for a long time. Maybe something this year has made you just feel an absence of joy and you just wonder, how can I ever feel joy again? How can I experience joy again? I need you to know that you can choose joy today. That the joy of the Lord is our strength and it can't be taken away from us regardless of our circumstances. So I want to talk about joy this morning and I want to talk about a very different kind of joy than the joy that the world offers this is a joy that only comes from God. And so let me tell you just a few things that I've learned about joy in this difficult year. See, I've learned that joy comes knowing God has a plan for my life. Knowing that God has a plan. He, he created you with a purpose in mind. That he made you the way that he made you. That he designed you the way that he designed you. Giving you the gifts that you have. The passions that you have. On purpose for a purpose. And when I know what that purpose is. When I understand that God is good and the plans that he has for me are also good, when my circumstances shift and change and when I experience things that are difficult, I am unshaken because I know my why. I know what I'm here for. I know that he has a good plan for me because he is good. We believe that you have a purpose. We, our growth track is designed to be the stepping off point to discovering that purpose. We want everyone to know their why so that when the earth shakes, you have a foundation to stand on. 
In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, For the joy set before him, Christ endured the cross. You see, his joy was his purpose. The plan God had to rescue all of humanity was a joy for him to know. He was terrified. He was afraid. The Bible says he was sweating blood out of the anxiety of what was waiting for him. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And if we have an understanding of our plan and our purpose and our why, then we can endure great things as well. We can endure our shifting circumstances. We can endure upcoming tragedies. We can endure the things that we didn't see coming. We can live through those moments with joy in our hearts if we know our why, our purpose. David was writing Psalm 16 from a cave. His life just did not go the way he expected it to. It started off on this great path. It was kind of an upswing, and then things took a hard south turn. And, and he's now he's in a cave. He's running from his life. He's a fugitive of the state. The king wants him dead. And he is surrounded by outlaws and criminals that didn't have anywhere else to go. And I guess these are my friends now. I don't know. And so David is in this cave in chapter 16 uh, of the Psalms, verses 5 through 11. He writes these words. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. And my body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. David knew he was called. He knew he was created. He knew he had a purpose. He knew that God is good and the plan that he has for his life is good. And so he says, I'm going to have joy in my heart despite where I sit in this moment. We know when we know that God has a plan for our life, we can, we can have joy. Joy comes when you are certain that God will work it out. Listen, it will not always work out the way that you want it to, but it will be good for you again. First Peter 1.8 says, even though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. We can't always see God moving in our lives. We can't always feel him. We can't always see his plan for us. We can't always see how it ends up good, but we just choose in faith to trust in him and to follow him. And when we do, we're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. He's here and joy exists right now and it exists on the other side of this. If it's not good yet, God's not done yet. Finally, joy comes when you choose it. When you choose it. See, joy is far more often a choice than it is a response. We think it's the other way around. That's why we pursue joy by pursuing possessions or accumulating money or in a person or something we can get from a person. We think this is all the places where joy comes. We keep waiting for joy to happen to us. We keep trying to, to search after or accumulate things that will bring us joy. And that's why we spend a, 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 so much of our lives apart from God pursuing something that is enigmatic, that is hard to find. Where is this joy that comes from my circumstances? 
Joy, does, the joy that comes from circumstances is not a true joy. It's not a joy that's easy to find. It's not a joy that you get to keep. It's not a joy that wakes you up feeling like you can keep moving forward in the darkest moments of your life. No, there's a better kind of joy. Joy that we choose. In Philippians 4.4, 4, Paul writes from prison, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I say it again, rejoice We choose joy. I say it again. I say it over and over and over again to convince myself I'm choosing joy. Our circumstances change constantly. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're bad. Sometimes we let ourselves believe that they're bad even when they are good. If we let our circumstances dictate whether or not we will have joy, we will spend more time without it than with it. Because in this world, you will have troubles. But take heart. For he has overcome the world. See, I just think often as Christians, we get in this mentality that life is supposed to be comfortable. Life, life is easy. I, I believe this. When I, when I was young and I, was, I said, I'm going to be a Christian and my life's going to be comfortable. It's going to be good because the Bible talks a lot about blessing. And blessing means I'm talking, we're talking about good stuff here. My life is going to be great. Bad, God will protect me. He won't let any bad things fall upon me. It's going to be great from now on. And that's just not what the Bible talks about. See, Jesus says in this world, you will have troubles. Christianity is not comfortable. If you follow me, you won't even have a place to lay your head at night. Foxes have got a place to live. You won't. Following Jesus isn't always comfortable. In fact, if you're following him well, it's not supposed to be. We cannot let our circumstances dictate our joy. We've got to make a choice to say, I'm going to wake up today and choose joy. I'm going to pursue the joy that comes from God. I'm going to center in my heart a kind of joy that cannot be taken from me because you are going to have trouble. We're a Disney Plus family. We got Disney Plus. I got it the day it came out. I actually pre-ordered it. I'm being honest with you now. I pre-ordered it months in advance, and I I will speak the gospel of Disney Plus too. You come over to my house, I'll have you spending $7 a month for the rest of your life by the time you leave, adults and kids alike. It's worth it, I'm telling you. The Mandalorian alone, come on, somebody. And so, yes, Jesus. No, don't do that. Don't do that. I, I love Disney Plus, and I've got two little girls, Eleanor and Dagny, and they, and they love Mickey Mouse. You know, that mouse is in our house all the time, and I've been, turn, I've been getting them plugged into some of the classic cartoons. You know, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse is okay. It's devoid of substance. I want something from the 1940s with Calamity coming around, you know, and, and I love these old Mickey Mouse cartoons, and I've been watching a lot of Donald Duck and a lot of Goofy, and, and one of my favorites is all the Goofy instructional videos. Have you seen these? How to fish, how to drive, how to ski, all these great things that there's like a guy talking and he's given like the instructions on how to do these things. Meanwhile, it is going wrong in every possible way that it can for my man Goofy. Homeboy cannot catch a break. Everything that could happen bad, it, he tries to put on his skis at, and then he puts his pants on over his skis. It gets all tangled up. He flips over in a circle. He falls off a cliff. Ah, ha, ha, hooey. 
is what he says on the way down, you know, and it's just over. And he tries to go fishing. He catches his pants with the hook and it throws him out into the middle of the lake. The physics are bad. The comedy is good. Now, Donald Duck, on the other hand, he's got bad stuff happening to him all the time as well. Things are just not going well for Donald Duck either. Donald Duck can't catch a break. He wants to be the star. Mickey's always the star. Everything frustrates Donald. He, he's cussing all the time. We just can't understand him because his voice, you know, the poor guy's got a terrible speech impediment. He can't get it together. And he's just always mad. Donald's always mad and screaming and cussing. But meanwhile, Goofy over there, who just got tossed out into the lake, comes walking up out of the lake. <laughs> Gorsh, <laughs> you know, just as happy as he could be. Here's just what I've decided by watching Disney+. Plus. I want to be Goofy, not Donald, you know? I just, I'm, d- I'm done letting my life around me dictate the way that joy is or is not in my heart. I'm just going to make a choice. I'm going to choose joy regardless of my circumstances. I've thought a lot about my conversation at that lunch about what's going to happen in 2020. I'll tell you what, we're what, 12 days in, and I've had two horrible conversations this year. Horrible. I was at a funeral last night for a 20-year-old kid. 2020 is going to bring troubles of its own. But I'm going to choose joy right now, here, today. It won't be taken from me. It won't be shaken. It won't be moved. I'm not going to grieve for the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I will choose it every single day until the day I am finished. And so let me just, just, just let me, uh, let's take a, a minute. I want to show you some options laid out in Scripture in Deuteronomy 30. Now, this is the message. If you don't know the message, the message is a paraphrase, not a translation. And so uh, this is kind of a companion piece to the Bible. There was a pastor named Eugene Peterson. I love Eugene Peterson. He's incredible. Everything that he wrote was great. And he was a pastor for 35 years. And about 25 years into being a pastor, he realized that for 25 years, his job had been to translate Scripture into plain English. And it seemed to be something that people were hungry for. And so he just felt like God said, do this for everybody. So he sits down and top to bottom puts a paraphrase together of the whole Bible in a common language. And it is a great resource, a great tool. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11 through 19 in the message, it says this. This commandment that I'm commanding you today isn't too much for you. It's not out of your reach. It's not on a high mountain. You don't have to get mountaineers to climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it before you can live it. And it's not across the ocean. You don't have to send sailors out to get it and bring it back and then explain it before you can live it. No, the word is right here and now. As near as the tongue in your mouth, as near as the heart in your chest, just do it. We think something like choosing joy is just this great immeasurable task that's for advanced Christians. There's a master's level of Christian that I have to get to before I have the joy of the Lord as my strength. Right now, I'm not there yet. I don't know how I'm ever going to get to it. How am I going to make this, this a part of my life, this joy of God? But, but listen, it's not that complicated. It's not hard. You don't have to have a degree. You don't have to get it all straight out first. You don't have to big, big checklist that you got to get everything right before you can get to it. Just do it. Look at what I've done for you today. I've placed in front of you life and good and death and evil. And I command you today, love God, your God, walk in his ways, keep his commandments and regulations and rules so that you will live, really live, live exuberantly blessed by God, your God in the land you're about to enter and possess. 
I call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I place before you life and death and blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your children will live. Love God, your God, listening obediently to him, firmly embracing him. Oh, yes, he is life itself. A long life settled on the soil that God, your God, promised to give your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's choose life today. Choose joy. Just make the choice to choose life. He's laid it out for you. He's done all the work. He moved heaven and earth. He went to death on a cross so that you could experience his joy every single morning when you wake up. His mercies are new every morning. We can praise him in our darkest days because of who he is and what he's done. The Bible gives us an incredible role model in this in Paul the Apostle. Paul's life was miserable. The, the guy just couldn't catch a break. You see, he had it all. He, he had it all. He had power. He had riches. He had position as a Pharisee. He worked for the high church, and whenever he went somewhere, people knew he was coming. People listened to him. He, he gave orders, and they would obey and follow. He came from a wealthy family, and he lived in that wealth. He had a Roman citizenship. He could travel wherever he wanted in this empire. Life was good, and then he met Jesus, and things took a little bit of a turn. See, all of a sudden, he, met, he meets Jesus. He's blind for three days. Not how you want to get started. He's blinded. And then he goes into a village hoping that his new Christian family will receive him. They're all terrified of him because he used to kill Christians. No, everybody thinks he's lying. He's got to convince them that, that, that he really is a Christian now. He, he, does, he's, he has to work two jobs for a while. He's sharing the gospel and he's making tents. Making tents. That sounds like a hard job. I don't want to do that. And so Paul is doing these. He's going about He's, he's, he's working hard to gain influence as a follower of Jesus, and God grants it to him. And he starts to travel around and share the message of Jesus everywhere that he can. And the people that he used to serve, they now hate him. And so Paul is being constantly pursued and persecuted by the Jewish people that he used to be aligned with. He's being dragged outside cities and stoned. He's being beaten up. He's being thrown in jail. He gets shipwrecked. Do you know, who gets shipwrecked? Paul, that's who. He got shipwrecked and he got bitten by snakes in the same time. You, you think shipwrecking is bad. Now you got snakes. Why snakes? Paul has it bad over and over again. Life just, the circumstances of life are just falling apart around him, always. And yet, Paul says, I am sorrowful yet always rejoicing. He said, you can't get the guy down. They, they say, listen, we're going to throw you in jail. He says, great, I'll write, uh, I'll write a few books of the Bible while I'm there. This will be convenient. Then we're going to cut your head off. Great, and for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. I'll go be with Jesus. This is fantastic. You couldn't get the guy down. And in the book of Philippians, he gives us kind of a handbook on joy. So we're going to look at Philippians just for a minute today as we close and, and, and learn how we can find joy, choose joy the way that Paul chose joy. And so let me, a little background, he, he's in jail <laughs> again. In fact, this is one of the final times, and he, he wrote these prison epistles while he was in jail. Philippians is one of those books, and he is in a prison cell, and while he's in prison, there's kind of some turmoil going on in the church. There's a lot of gossip 
that's happening. And they've written Paul a letter. The leaders of churches that he's worked with before have written Paul a letter to say, hey, hey, Paul, it really stinks that you're in jail because people are out here just preaching all kinds of weird stuff. And honestly, we don't think their motives are great. And you shouldn't be in jail. You should be out here helping us. And Paul, what's the deal, man? Can you, is God going to free you? When are you going to be out to help us with all of this? trouble. They've sent him a very discouraging letter, and Paul responds to it in the letter of Philippians. And look at in, in how he does that. The first thing that Paul does that we can learn from him in how we choose joy is to choose to look beyond what happened. In Philippians 1.12, Paul's in jail, awaiting execution. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Paul, we want you out of jail. No, I need you to know, guys, that these circumstances are actually great for the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a good thing. Paul meant that. See, while he was in jail, at the moment he was writing that, he was literally chained to a Roman soldier. That guy couldn't go anywhere. That guy was going to hear about Jesus until he gave his life to Jesus, and there was nothing he could do about it. He was chained to Paul. In fact, the Bible tells us several stories about prison guards giving their lives to Jesus, bringing their whole families to Jesus because of his people being placed in prison. Paul took this moment to write books of the Bible that would influence. They wanted him to exert influence over the towns and the cities they were in that day. Paul was doing things that would influence the church right now here in this place today, thousands of years later. He knew he knew that regardless of his circumstances, if he chose joy, if he chose to, to know that God had a plan for him, to believe that God was going to make it right, to serve God no matter what, that God could use him despite his circumstances. And that's what happened. He looked beyond what happened. Listen, I know that sometimes things don't have a silver lining. I know that. Sometimes circumstances are just bad. In fact, don't be that person. <laughs> Sometimes when people are grieving, let them grieve. They don't, don't always need the silver lining today. We don't have to try to make things good all the time. But we can choose to look to the other side. That on the other side of this, good is coming again. That God, we can choose to ask God what good can and will come of this. We can choose to ask God how we can be used through this. God, my circumstances are bad. How can you use me in it? Who can I influence for you? Who needs your hope today? Who needs my story today? Who needs to hear this today? Who do, who do you need me to share your gospel with in this moment of absolute despair? And in doing so, we can choose joy despite these circumstances. Second thing that we learn from Paul is to choose to find new opportunities. We choose to find new opportunities. Paul is, continues his response, verse 13, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard, and there he's telling all the guards, every guard, and it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ because he has told them over and over again about the wonders of Jesus and what he's done for him and how they can be changed too. And, and he says this, and then he says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become more confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. 
Paul says, no, this is a great thing. Because when I was there, you were letting me do all the work. Now I'm here, and you're out there sharing the gospel, and God is multiplying our influence. So this is a good thing. See, Paul, despite his circumstances, he's choosing to look for new opportunities. Oh, this, this loss is terrible. How can God use me in it? This, this financial season is so hard for my family. What does God want to teach me through this, and how can I use it to influence somebody else for the gospel? Oh, man, this this season of, of going back and forth to the doctor's office is so trying, it's so hard, it's so difficult. How can I share the gospel with every person I encounter throughout it? I look for new opportunities. And his joy is my anchor. I'm going to tell you a story. When I was 23 years old, I was in the Coast Guard and I was court-martialed for hazing hazing that I did when I was 21 years old. You see, I, I had a radical transformation take place in my life in my 21st year. I met Jesus. And before I met him, before, before I entered into a relationship with Jesus, you would not recognize me. I was mean. I was bitter. I was angry. I was depressed. I, I, had, I had just this, this desire to, to matter, to, to mean something, and I felt like I didn't. And I just pushed that out on everyone around me. And when I met Jesus, he changed my life radically. Everything about who I am changed. He put kindness in my heart where there just wasn't any. He gave me joy. He, we spent time finding freedom from my depression, all of it. And by the time I was 23, I was irrecognizable. I was in Bible college. I had felt like God had called me to ministry, to give my life to him. I was excited about it. At age 23, I was engaged to be married to the most beautiful woman on planet Earth. And I was excited, and, and our life, whole life was ahead of us, and it was good. And I got called into a legal office at the unit where I was stationed, and, my, and our legal officer handed me a piece of paper and said, hey, Red wine, bad news. You're being court-martialed for a lot of stuff. And it was this long sheet, and it was all things that had happened before I met Jesus. And I remember thinking, this isn't right. The Bible says I've been washed whiter than snow. Okay, sir, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus has forgiven me for all of this, so we can put this away. What I learned was that even though Jesus forgives you, the government does not always do so. There are consequences for our actions. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. I thought, why would God do this to me? Why would he allow this to happen? Why would he take from me what I am building? Why would he bring up so much pain and trauma from my past? Why should I have to live in this again today? Why should I have to tell my fiance about this? Why should, why should she have to suffer because of my actions? This isn't fair. This isn't right. This isn't what it means to be living a blessed life. Where's my blessings at, God? I'm so, I was so mad and confused and angry, and it got worse and worse. And the, the court trial was in May of 2011, and Rail and I were married in December of 2010. And in December of 2010, they were saying, we're looking at a few years maybe in the brig. And Rail still said yes to marry me. That tells you what kind of woman that is over there, you guys. And, and I remember, I mean, the first five months of our marriage were every week meeting with my lawyers and talking about next steps. Every week. Having to rehash my worst moments. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you've been forced to relive your worst day over and over and over again. And that's what it was. It was so embarrassing. And, and I remember um, just before the trial, 
the, the, I had struck a plea deal. I was going to go to the brig for a year. And at that time, that, that, at that season, actually just a couple months before, a bunch of Marines had been sent to that same brig I would be going to for committing atrocities in Iraq. And I was like, oh gosh, a face like this in there, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. What am I going to do? I was so scared and mad and frustrated and wondered, what am, what is, what am I? I've been called to ministry. And I was arguing with God one morning about this scenario. And I said, God, you called me to ministry. Why are you taking it from me? And God said, no, I've called you to hope. I've called you to share hope with people in need of it. And there is no greater place right now of people in need of hope than in that place where I'm sending you. And I remember thinking, if I'm going to be in the brig, then I'm going to be in ministry in the brig. And I started memorizing scripture and studying the prison epistles and learning about the way that Paul lived while he was in prison and started building a strategy and a plan trying to figure out uh, curriculums for Bible studies that I could lead people on while I was there. And just, I just said, God, if I'm going to be there, then I'm going to keep serving you while I'm there. And it was amazing the way that it shifted my heart. I was still afraid. I was still scared. But I had joy. I had a joy inside of me that I was choosing, that, that God was placing there, that he was taking the grief away and the pain away. He was replacing it with his strength. His joy was right there because I knew my purpose. And even though my circumstances weren't great, I knew that I could still serve him in them, that I could look for new opportunities, that I could pursue him in a fresh way. Now, the end of that story is that I went to court um, on May 10th, 2011, and they dropped most of the charges. I ended up getting a slap on the wrist. I got demoted, and, uh, and I walked out of that courtroom, went to an Outback Steakhouse. Somebody got an Outback Special with some cheese fries on the side and a blooming onion, and I was like, this is so much better than prison food. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I think God just wanted to know where my heart was. And it felt like a testing. And I grew up a lot in the course of a year. And all that to say, I know what it is to have your earth shaken underneath you. And I know what it is to choose joy in that season. And I'm telling you, you can do it. Third thing, last thing. Focus. Oh, this was, I got to share this. Philippians 4.11. It's what Paul wrote from jail from prison. And this was my passage for going into this season of my life. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. In case you needed the context for that overused verse, there it is. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can choose joy. I can serve him. I can pursue him. I can lead others to him. I know what it means to have lost something. I know what it means to have been broken down. I know what it means to see your future ahead of you and watch it ripped away in an instant. 
But I've learned to be content no matter my circumstances because I know what he's called me to. I know who I am. I know who he made me to be. I know who I serve. I know what he has in store for me. I know that at the end, he's already promised he's going to make everything good again. That at the end of the day, he's going to strip away all the brokenness and the hurt and the pain and the sickness and the anger and the disease. It will melt like wax from this earth. And on that last day, it doesn't matter how comfortable I was. It doesn't matter how much happiness happiness I found in things and stuff. None of that matters. All that matters is how many people I was able to bring with me into that day of glory. And so I will serve him. I will have strength because of him. I will have joy in my heart as long as I am doing what he has made me to do. And what he has made me to do is bring hope to those who are hopeless. And I will do it whatever my circumstances. No matter what happens, it will not change. I can choose joy. Last thing, is to focus on what really matters. People were trying to get Paul to weigh in on all this church gossip and leaders that were rubbing the people the wrong way, and he just responded like this. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry and others out of goodwill. And the latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But... What does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I say it again. I will continue to rejoice. You, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. You got to stay focused on what matters. You need to know that you have a purpose and that your purpose is to serve God is to glorify God and serve people, to bring people with you into glory. He's going to use you to do it. You just got to figure out how. There's a way that only you can. He, he put a gift in you. He put a passion in you. He put a drive in you that is your way, your specific gift and your purpose. But they all go in the same direction, and that is to expose people to the love of Jesus, to open them up to the message of his goodness and grace, and to bring them with us when we enter into the day where there is no more mourning, no more tears. He'll use you for it if you let him. And you got to keep your focus on that. Your circumstances will always shift. It'll be like sand at the beach, just always moving and, and disappearing and coming back again. And sometimes things are great and sometimes they're bad. And sometimes life is good and sometimes it's tragic. And that is this world. But we keep the main thing the main thing. We stay focused on the direction that we are moving. We are moving towards Jesus and his joy is our strength and I choose his joy today. I wake up every morning feeling his joy expressed in my heart, just filling me up that even when things, when I have to sit down and have a conversation that shakes up everything around me, I know who my God is. I know what he's called me to do. I know that he'll be here tomorrow. I know that he can bring good out of this. I know that he will use this moment. I know that he will use me. And so I will just keep doing what he's made me to do. I'm going to stay focused on the thing that really matters. And I will have joy in my heart. You can choose joy this year. This doesn't have to be another year where you just can't wait for it to end. I don't know what's waiting for you in 2020. I don't know. But I do know that at the end of it, you can finish with joy and say, praise God for all the good things he's done this year. I cannot wait to see what he has in store for me in 2021. We can believe in that. Let's pray. If you're in here this morning and you've never had that joy, maybe your life, all you've had to cling to 
is your circumstances. And maybe it has been difficult. It's been hard. I need you to know that the joy that is immovable is available to you today. It is free. He's paid the price. He has moved heaven and earth for you. He, he went to, he died, rose again so that you would have life forever. Not just life, life in abundance. And so if you're in here and you don't know Jesus, yeah, you're not in that relationship. It is as simple as a prayer. It's, it's, like, an opening, it's like an opening statement. It's like a vow at a wedding. Oh, yeah, there's a lot to do after. But right here in this moment, you get to know him. You get to bind your spirit with the spirit of the living God. If you want to make that decision, would you just, every head bowed, every eye closed, would you pray this with me? Heavenly Father, I need you. I need you, God. Forgive me for all my sins, all my mistakes, for trying to do this on my own. I can see now that it is you that I need. And so, God, I choose you. I believe in you. I will pursue you. I want to dwell in your presence forever, God. So I commit today to follow you with all that I am. Every moment, forever. Send your spirit to live in me. In Jesus' name, amen.